Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is March 3rd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and the trade deadline is behind us, and the next big thing is the playoffs. Now, it's not for another month and a couple of days. It's starts in, like, early to mid-April, so it's we've got a little while here. We just entered March, so we should... Kind of take a breather and soak it all in. But right now, obviously, we're trying to figure out and see how Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie fit into the lineup. Obviously, those are the two big acquisitions at the deadline and how are they fitting in. So to talk about that and a lot of other things, I had on my good friend Marissa and Jamie of the Boston Herald. Has not been on in a little while, um, but she came on for this. I thought it was a great episode. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And there's no ad read today. Uh, I don't have any bet online ad for you or zip recruiter. Uh, today is no ad. It's ad free day. Uh, so enjoy it while it lasts. Um, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Marissa and Jemmy. And we're here with Marissa and Jemmy. Marissa, what is up? Hello, Evan. How are you? I am good. It's been a while since you've been on here, hasn't it? I don't know. Time's a blur. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. Could have been yesterday. Could have been two months ago. I don't know. Yeah, you were saying, we were talking before we went on, uh, we went live and you were saying how you were home for 10 days all of February. That is insanity. Yeah, yeah. A little break now with the Bruins in Florida. So I, I usually want to be on the road, but I will gladly take a couple of days to recharge. When's your next uh, road trip? Uh, next week, the Buffalo Philly trip. Oh, that'll be good. Cause that'll be Buffalo. You love Buffalo, right? I do love Buffalo. I'm very excited for that one. You've always said like Buffalo is very, uh, is very underrated. Is it, you, I think you were the one who told me that. Yeah. It, it's just like my energy kind of in the sense that like you walk around and they unironically just have Buffalo bandits and LL stuff like everywhere. And huh. they like support debuts with women's hockey and it's cold, and they have Tim Horton, so I'm a big fan. Yeah, you love cold weather, which I like it, but I'm very excited it's that it's better March. Than, it's better than the alternative. Like, I'd rather it be negative three than 90, that's all. I don't blame you for that. I don't blame you. Uh, and Philly's Philly's an exciting place. I've never been, um, but I've only heard good things about it, so I, I assume that... I like Philly. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably do like it. Um... So, we have Bruins topics to cover, right? As we always do. Um, and this week, this past week has featured some different things. 
Um, Bruins had a very good week. We'll get into that later on. Um, but I think the big thing on everyone's mind is right now is how have Andre Kosh, Kasha and Nick Ritchie fit in the lineup? Um, and through all the games, uh, Kasha and Ritchie played on Krejci's each side of Krejci. Um, I, was it, yeah, Kasha didn't play in the first game after being traded. Uh, Nick Ritchie's played one more game. Ritchie's played three. Uh, Kasha's played two. Um, Kasha's first game with the Bruins was that Dallas win. Uh, Richie's was the loss to Calgary. Um, very, a lot of, I think there are a lot of things to take away from this. Um, and I want to hear your initial thoughts on, on the line combination, uh, there, if you want to go for it. Yeah, I, I like Kasha, obviously, like he has a high upside. He's fast. He's already seen. He does a good job getting the pucks. He's pretty good in transition. He's going to have to make an adjustment playing for a new team, obviously. So I think that the results will come. I think he's a good fit with Krejci. Richie's an odd one because we saw against the Islanders, he takes bad penalties. And we already knew that because he had like 19 minor penalties with Anaheim before coming to Boston. So like, that's a problem. That's not good. But he also does some good things. Like there's going to be the um, instinct to compare to Brett Richie because they are brothers, even though like they're kind of different players. They're both, uh, physical. I think watching Nick play, he's obviously the better of the Richies. Um, he does some good things. His positioning's pretty good. He ends up in the right place. He gets shots off. There's definitely something there um, that there isn't with Brett, but the whole penalties and all of that like didn't leave a good impression for me. So we'll see. I mean, they traded for him. They gave Danton Heinen for him. Obviously, they want him in the lineup. They have a lot of other guys you know, vying to be in the lineup as well. So I think some consistency from Richie's game the next couple of weeks here will be important for him. I thought the chemistry of, among that line actually was very good against the Islanders. I thought that um, Kasha and Krejci surely have a connection. I think Kasha is of the two guys acquired. I think he's definitively probably going to be Krejci's right side. Um, if, at yeah. least if he keeps playing like this, um, I thought they looked great together. The Dallas game, it took them a little bit to get going, but uh, against the Islanders, I think they looked uh, really good together. They had a lot of give and goes in the neutral zone. Um, and I just thought that quite honestly, that there's a connection there. Maybe it's something being from the Czech Republic, who knows? Um, the thing you hit on though is very true with Nick Ritchie, who I thought looked good with them. Um, I didn't think he was bad. I thought, you know, but again, obviously. No, no, I don't think Ritchie's been bad by any means. No, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But obviously Nick Ritchie's the slower of the three. Nobody's going to argue that. Um, the penalties is what, is what worries me. Um, zero fighting yeah, majors on the season. This time of year, you can't be taking penalties or making mistakes like that. That worries me a little bit. And the other thing that, that gets me a little bit is in all of the shenanigans uh, at the end of that Islanders game with the stuff with Komarov, you know, the, the, the scrums, where was Nick Ritchie in any of that? Like, isn't that what Nick Ritchie was brought here to do? to be in that, to to make sure that a guy like Pasternak isn't in that position. Now, obviously, that was totally a, a beef between Marshawn and Komarov, and, you know, Pasternak and Bergeron chose to go in. But don't you kind of say, hey, Nick, here's your chance. Go in over the fans. I mean, or, 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 or what? I mean, I just was kind of surprised I didn't see him in any of the scrums. I don't know. That stuff like this doesn't register for me a lot of the time. I care a lot more about the hockey than the like invented beefs or this guy stood up for this unless it's like an obvious case like in Columbus um or even I want to say against Edmonton a week before that to me like you have a four nothing game in the bag go home don't do anything dumb 
Um, that stuff. I just mean protecting. Really I just me. mean protect protecting guys like Pasternak from injury. I mean, that, I that's guess. all. I, I honestly mean, can't remember if Richie was on the ice during that. To be honest, I I I don't remember seeing him out there. Maybe there was a shift where he was. Maybe you know, but but again, he wasn't. Ironically enough, what I think is so funny is Nick Richie's first big play as a Boston Bruin was like a hit on Milan Lucic in the neutral zone. Now, ironically, right. every, everybody's split on Nick Ritchie. You have the DJ Beans of the world who are on one side saying, um, you know, he isn't everything he's cracked up to be, you know, the speed and skill, you know, you need that. They should, you know, they, they shouldn't have done what they did with Nick Ritchie. Then you have the other side, typically the older writers who are saying, you know, this is great. He's great. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a kind of an enforcer. He's big. He's physical. The fans are going to love him. Um, and you have these two opposite ends. So of course that hit gets, you know, by the older writers, Oh, what a hit, you know, what a first play from Nick Ritchie, what a way. And then you have the other side of the equation, like, Oh, Nick Ritchie kind of was just skating and ran into Milan Lucic. And so I just think that contrast has been pretty funny because Nick Ritchie's had a lot of mixed reviews here in the first couple of games. Yeah. You're going to find me right down the middle on that. I mean, I agree with your assessment that there are definitely two ways of looking at it. And I'm, my mentality's always been speed skill. I believe the Bruins are a speed skill team that can play physical compared to a physical team with skill. I think that when they lean all the way into being a skill team, that's when they have the most success. And then they have the ability to play physical with teams that are heavier teams. So adding someone like Richie, you're going to get that physicality out of him. But again, too, you are putting him on a line, two skilled players like Krejci and Kasha. Like those are two guys you don't want to be mixing it up you want them to be in the play and involved in the hockey aspect and my concern is Richie getting wrapped up in the other part of it and that being the expectation where he does have some skill as well and I would rather him definitely like create space for those guys compared to go out looking for trouble if that makes sense oh totally I mean I think a big part of him being on that line is to create space for those guys yeah Uh, I mean my my initial almost like if you remember the line from I guess the um, 2011 cup run, the Lucic, Krejci, and Horton, you had someone like Lucic out there to create space, not to run around hitting people, but to make room for a guy like Krejci to pass to a scorer. And that's what I'm hoping is a lot what they're looking for there compared to someone just to go out and run people. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think that's sort of going to be the – hey, as I tweeted, I think I tweeted last week, I was like, oh, is Kasha, Krejci, and Richie the new Lucic, Horton, uh, Lucic, Krejci, Horton line? I mean, who, who really knows, okay. right? Um, <laughs> no, uh, but but it is I, – I do think it is wild, though, um, the, the differences in opinion on Richie. I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, my opinion on the whole Richie thing when they first traded for him was I have no problem with Richie. I just think high end could have been packaged for maybe a, a little bit more of a proven score, but that's a conversation that I've already had so many times. Um, and then Kasha, I think Kasha has been very interesting. I think, you know, we haven't seen a ton of him. Uh, it feels like, but as I mentioned earlier, the chemistry seems to be there. Um, and if he can just get the scoring going uh, through the two games that he's played uh, does not have a point yet. Uh, a minus one, he has three shots on goal over two games. I mean, nothing spectacular, um, but there is there is a chemistry there, I think, with David Krejci. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. Well, yeah, and let's remember, too, he hadn't played since February 7th, and he was battling exactly. something. There was mixed reports if it was a concussion or he was sick. He didn't really – he was asked flat out if he had a concussion, and he didn't exactly answer that, so that kind of does answer that, I guess. Huh. Um, so he's still adjusting. It's a time zone difference going from 
Anaheim to Boston has quite a culture shock going from a team going nowhere to a team that's expected to be in a cup final practically here. Um, there's a lot of adjustments to make. So I'm going to wait a couple more games before having a solidified opinion of uh, just how Kash is doing. But overall, I have liked his game. It's been about what you could expect if you watch him in Anaheim. So I do like him with Krejci. I know there's kind of this conception out there that Krejci is a tough guy to play with because they've rotated. But I've historically seen players paired with Krejci do pretty well uh, long term. So um, I think that's a good fit. And I, I think these next few games against the Lightning coming up, there's two of them and the Panthers game. Uh, we're going to learn a lot more than we did the past two games. Yeah, and I think that's going to be something that – I think the most interesting storyline, at least for me, over the next month and five days before the playoffs starts, which is wild, by the way. I mean, how are the playoffs actually almost here? Wasn't that just last the year we were there? blown by. I was just talking to a couple other writers, but it's recently. Like, it feels like the season has just flown by. It's gone so fast. It really has. And it's crazy that it's uh, that we're recording this on March 2nd and this podcast is dropping March 3rd. So it's literally just a little over a month until the playoffs. But I think the most interesting storyline to me, because um, this team doesn't have a lot of holes, is where do Richie and Kasha fit into this whole thing? And how do they you know, have four set lines going to the playoffs if they even do? I have, the, I have natural stat trick up right here. I know advanced stats sound terrible on podcasts, so bear with me for like two seconds. Um, ironically enough, I'm not going to – Kasha, Richie, and Krejci haven't been together long enough to really have, you know, solidified stats. Neither have just Krejci and Kasha. But without Kasha and Richie and Krejci on the ice with, you know, whomever, but without Kasha, they have 11 minutes of time on ice, five on five. Corsi four per 60 of 69.85. Nice. Um, and then they have an expected goals for per 60 of 3.75. That's not bad. I mean, I, I don't, I would rather have Kasha with, if I had to pick one to be with Krejci between Richie and Kasha, I would pick Kasha. Um, but it's good to see that the advanced stats kind of, at least through a small sample size, kind of prove that, Hey, maybe Krejci and Richie can work together. Yeah. And let's not like put an end to the possibility of DeBrus going back up there too, at some point, he's obviously struggling a little bit uh, he had his legs a little more against the islanders but haven't scored in what 10 games now so so this, this um, is my next subject yeah and he's a guy who can definitely step up and start scoring a bunch of as we've seen before so i wouldn't be and also this is a bruce cassidy team so all the lines are going to be different no matter what <laughs> but it, it feels like it, it's not the end of debrus being up there either because i mean let's be real who has a higher ceiling to score gold it's DeBrus more than Richie so if DeBrus gets going and that works out that's going to be a much better top six. Oh yeah and I, I and so that was my next point was um with Jake DeBrusque uh no goals or no points in 10 games he's been very hard to notice in these games he's been playing with Charlie Coyle correct since he's been moved down yeah. he's been mo- playing with Charlie Coyle just want to make sure of that um and you just it's been hard to notice him really has and I think for him, you know, he's got to watch a game from the press box. Uh, he's got to watch a game from where we watch it at some point um, just to get his mind right. You know, Cassidy did it with Anders Bjork last week. I think that's the move with him. I mean, you, there's got to be some sort of reset button for him, right? I think at some point, maybe not this week because these games with Tampa are so important and he's a guy where he could just go off and score five goals between those two games. Um, so I don't know if you want to eliminate that possibility now. 
I thought there might have been a message in the second period against the Islanders. He played only four shifts. I asked Cassidy about it, and he said that that was an accident and had more to do with, like, penalty kill and getting the lines right after, and he actually liked the way DeBrus was playing. So it, there wasn't anything to that. But I was starting to read into, oh, maybe that is coming, be- only because we saw that with Bjork against uh, Calgary, where, or sorry, against Dallas, where he didn't play the second period, and then he was a scratch against the Islanders. So I thought we might be seeing a similar pattern. Um, I think at some point, if DeB- I think they're going to give DeBrusk more opportunity than Bjork, if that makes sense because he is a little bit more proven, where Bjork, we still don't totally know what he is. We know, like, we all like his upside, obviously, but we do know what DeBrusque is as a player when he's playing well. So I think they're going to let him play through it a little bit more. It's almost like a young baseball player, like, when they start to hit a slump a little bit, you let them hit their way through it. Uh, With scorers, you kind of have to do something similar sometimes. So I think they're trying that approach for now, especially because the games are so important, but maybe – Something like against Philly Buffalo, if he doesn't get it going, maybe he does take a seat one of those games. What's so funny is, you know, most times if you ask a coach uh, if they sat a player, intentionally sat a player in the second period, a lot would say no, and you'd think, well, they're lying. They just don't want to call their player out. Cassidy's very honest with that stuff, so I do believe yeah, no, what he, he says. He was actually, like, genuinely surprised. He was like, oh, no, that was an accident. Like, he, it took him a minute to even register it. Yeah, but I, I do I do think you're right on letting DeBrusque sort of kind of try to score his way through this. I'm not opposed, though, to one game from the press box. You know, healthy scratch him once, let him reset. You know, don't punish him, but let him reset because uh, he clearly needs it right now. And I also think, you know, I mentioned playing Richie with Krejci. Try DeBrusque, Krejci, and Kasha. Like, give it a go. See what happens. I think we'll get a look at that at some point. I don't think oh, they're totally. Richie on that line at all. I think the full intention was for Richie to play with Coyle and Bjork. And I think DeBrusk not playing as well lately has kind of shaken that up. But I think in a perfect world, they would prefer to have Richie with Coyle and DeBrusk with Krejci. Yeah, and I also think that's the best lineup. I think that's like the best possible scenario if everyone's kind of going on all cylinders. Um, it's okay. funny, while we're, talking, while we're talking about lines, a thing recently has been – that I've seen more and more is what's the fourth line going to be heading into the playoffs last year. It was pretty straightforward. Um, you had Crowley down the middle, you had Achari, you had Wagner and then Nordstrom kind of going in whenever. Um, what is it this year? What is it going to be? I mean, I, I think right now, like they've tried Crowley on the wing. They've had Lindholm down the middle. They've had, you know, Wagner and Nordstrom, you know, kind of going in and out. What do you see the fourth line being this year, especially now with Carson Coleman possibly being down there or Nick Ritchie? I mean, it's crazy. What do you see? As much as it pains me as a noted Carson Coleman fan, I think having him as your extra forward is the best bet because he is someone who, if someone gets hurt or isn't playing well, he's the guy who can miss 17 games and then go in and still like be an impact guy. They don't really have anyone else who – can just like go in without easing into it. And Cassidy has mentioned that a lot. And also Coleman, someone who can go in and literally play on pretty much any line and go onto the penalty kill and miss a ton of time and still be fine. So I think in your perfect case scenario, I've really been like in on the wing, just not as much his game there. That's been fine, but I like how they can be more versatile with that. I think that Nordstrom's had some trouble getting going this year, just with various injuries and he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. Um, I like a lot of what Lindholm brings. He's a guy who is what it is. I think they were kind of hoping he could get some sort of offensive spark because playing overseas, he had that. 
but just playing the North American game, I'm not sure that's the type of player he is. He's a penalty killer, um, responsible defensively. When he is on offense, he crashes the net and can create some havoc, but he's not a scorer. And I think that that limitation frustrates them maybe a little bit, and that's why he hasn't been in the lineup consistently. But he is a stabilizing force there. So I think your perfect lineup right now might be Corrale, Lindholm, Wagner, with the ability where you know, like, you can put Nordstrom in on the left and Corrale to the middle whenever you want. You can bump Corrale up to play left wing with Coyle and scratch Richie if you feel like it. You can put Kuhlman on the right and scratch Wagner if you feel like it. They have a lot of options, but I think that um, if the playoffs started right now, they would go with Corrale, Lindholm, and Wagner and go from there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, having a guy like Wagner, especially in the lineup, you know, uh, not afraid to block shots. None of them are. I mean, to be on that fourth line, you have to be willing to to kind of get on and sacrifice yourself. So I totally agree uh, on Wagner. Corrali on the wing, I, I do really like, as you said. I mean, I think it kind of frees him up to do a little bit more. Um, he's not sort of the quarterback of the line. He sort of can uh, dominate one side of the ice. Uh, and I do think that's better for him. And Lindholm down the middle is fine. He's fine. He's ho-hum, whatever. You know, he's nothing special. Um, you know, he's kind of interchangeable. I think he does some stuff. I, I like what he does. I think that he might not have the offensive ability that they were hoping for, but what he does do, he does very well, I think. He's fine. I don't, uh, I, I'm not going to spend more than a minute talking about Par Lindholm on this podcast. I hate to say it. Um, but yeah, I, I do think the fourth line is going to be something interesting to watch. I'm still a little bit more interested, or really a lot of bit more interested in how Kasha and Richie fit into the whole thing is kind of we hit on and concluded the best possible option would probably be DeBrus, Krejci, Kasha, Richie, Coyle, Bjork, four lines, uh, two and three. So, um, a big thing right now is this whole President's Trophy idea. You know, the, the, the Bruins are the best team in the NHL points-wise, record-wise, however you want to say it-wise. Um, and finally, uh, the Athletic released their NHL power rankings, and the Bruins are number one. They, I, ha- I don't think they've been number one this year yet, or they, they haven't been in a while. Uh, the Lightning kind of held that for a really long time. The Capitals have been up there. Now the Bruins are... Uh, the team at the top of this power ranking. Playoffs are coming soon. Marissa, you uh, you do your own power rankings for the Herald, right? Every week. Every week. That's what I figured. And didn't you didn't you have the you had preseason power rankings? Remember we were talking about that were kind of controversial. Didn't you put the Bruins low or you put the Blues low? I forget what you did. I think I put the Bruins at like five and the Blues at like nine, and everyone got mad. And now, obviously, the Bruins are a top three team, and the Blues are maybe a little better than that, but they've had their inconsistencies, too. The power rankings are fun, and everyone yells at me about them, so whatever. Yeah, I, mean, I know they do. Um, but Mostly the Islanders fans. Like, they literally email me I should get fired if I rank them, like, 11th. It's wild. You should be honored that Islanders fans are subscribed to the Boston Herald. I don't know why they are. I'm like, if they subscribe to the Herald just to yell about my power rankings, like, great, thank you, but I really don't know why. That is, that is something cool though. That that they're they're subscribing to the Boston Herald for Marissa's Bruins coverage, uh, or or maybe for something else. Who knows? There's so much there. Um, but would you put the Bruins as number one in power rankings right now? Well, I'm doing my power rankings tomorrow, so you'll have to read the Boston Herald for that. No, nope, um, you gotta you gotta give an answer. <laughs> I, I well, honest to God, I haven't done my research for it yet because I'm writing it tomorrow. I had them as number one last week. I will say that. 
And I don't think that would change unless I have to look some stuff up and see if like someone, the capital freaked out this week. I don't believe they did. Um, so they, I'd probably put them back in number one again this week, I would imagine. Um, I had the lightning as number one for a couple weeks, just because like you win 11 games in a row and you start catching up with a team that has been at the top all year, like that's going to make some noise. Um, as of now, I mean, I don't want to lie to you and say, yeah, I'm going to put the Bruins at number one and then not do it. But I'd imagine I am going to put them at number one this week, probably. So, I mean, pretty official answer. I will know tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think the Bruins are number one right now. And the President's Trophy thing, it does scare me um, just because of how that – obviously, curses aren't really real, knock on wood. Um, but but it still always kind of freaks me out. That 13-14 team um, was so – good and like and 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 the ending they had um kind of just kind of enforced that president's trophy curse however getting home ice through the playoffs would not hurt them i know that you know obviously last year they they lost three or four at home in the stanley cup but having home ice is never a bad thing it does feel though like sometimes they're better away um the stats don't really support that but it just sometimes feels as if that's the case right now if the playoffs were to start today um the Bruins, by the way, 94 points, the Lightning 87. So they're seven points up on the Lightning um, and then eight points up on the Capitals and the, Met- the Capitals in the Metro. Bruins right now would play the Blue Jackets in the first round. Um, I would much rather than play the Islanders solely for the fact that it's much easier to get to the away games. I think that would be very cool. Uh, we've had that discussion before, so I would not be opposed to the Islanders. Um, but what do you think? I mean, who who right now is – would be an ideal first round uh, matchup for the Bruins. I mean, maybe the Islanders. We've seen how the Bruins have played against them. Obviously, um, I, I, I like part of some of what the Islanders have. Obviously, their defense is pretty good. Their goaltending is solid. I'm not sure they have enough offensively, so I think that's a matchup that they could definitely handle. The Blue Jackets are an odd one because I would say they have like that team of destiny feel, having a completely out-of-nowhere goalie come in and play so well that they've been able to actually hold on and stay in the race. But they have a ridiculous amount of injuries where that's not even the same team. So that's a team I feel like might look good on paper and might have a lot of energy and might be the type of team that would go in and try and make some noise, but I'm not just not sure they have enough. So the Islanders and Blue Jackets are interesting to me. Then you have, like, some absolute wild cards in there, like maybe the Rangers or the Panthers. Um, I don't know the what flyers. the Panthers. The, fl- the Flyers scare me. Out of all of them, I think I would not want to play them in the first round. I think that's a team that has the ability to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, and I'd rather let a team like the Penguins or Capitals take care of them first because I think that those teams might match up a little bit better just with the familiarity. Uh, I would not want to play the Flyers in the first round at all, or the Penguins for that matter. The Penguins are only like, what, two points away from – uh, being a wild card team, that would be a very annoying first round matchup to have. To oh my god! It, it all enforces that, that could happen. No, it totally could, and it all enforces that like the the the, the playoff formatting sucks. Should be one versus eight, uh, two versus seven. Uh, this new playoff, uh, the, not it's not even new, but the playoff formatting that the NHL goes by is, is really not great, and I'll never stop complaining about it because I just won't. Um, however. Yeah, I mean, I think the Islanders would probably be the ideal matchup. As much as, as injury prone as the Blue Jackets have been, I just think they're still a good team. They still scare me. Um, the first 
four games, I believe, of that series last year in the second round. I know it's a totally different team, but the first four games were very competitive. Um, and I think a lot of people forget about that. Um, and then, as you said, Penguins first round would not be ideal. I mean, that team is good. Um, Hurricanes right now, outside of the playoff picture, uh, they have not been great of late. Um, they don't worry you either. Like, that's a team that obviously, like, has some personality and flair. Um, I think they're a better – I won't say they're a better team than last year. I think that they have some – their upside might be a little higher. Like, I don't think the Bruins would sweep them away like they did last year. I think they might challenge them a little bit more. But that's also a team I'm completely not worried about. Yeah, the Hurricanes just don't scare me. Um, the team Unless that does – David Ayers comes in. Yes, it, it, when Dave Ayers comes in, it's over. You've lost, especially if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I still think. Um, <laughs> my two favorite stories, I think, in hockey this year, and I'm, I'm probably forgetting one, so whatever, um, happened in the past couple weeks. The Dave Ayers beating the Leafs thing and Bobby Ryan returning after um, a stint in rehab and scoring a hat trick. I mean, I think that those, those are, are definitely the best all year. Probably my favorite, my two favorite, and they happened in the past couple weeks, uh, which I think is very cool. Um, the Flyers, to me, it's funny. Um, I haven't watched a ton of them this year. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm an expert on the Flyers because I'm not. Uh, I don't host a Flyers podcast, and uh, I'm not an expert. So uh, take this with a grain of salt. But I do think they have been – that core has been there a really long time. Guys like Giroux, Couturier, Voracek. They've been chomping at the bit for so long. It feels like at some point they have to at least be competitive for the Stanley Cup, um, whether that means going to the second round, the conference final, or the actual big dance. Um, I just think that at some point they're going to break through. You don't want to get them in the first round where they might break through. So I totally agree with you on them being scary. Ironically enough, Shane Goss, the spare, has been – has he been injured or is he has he just been underperforming? He's I in the minors right now. He was – he was injured, and now he's in the minors, and he hasn't played well for a couple of years now. Yeah. No, he, it's, he's had a real decline in his career. Um, but the Flyers are still chugging along. They're getting along with Carter Hart. Um, and it should be interesting. It's going to be fun this year. I don't think the Bruins are going to play the Maple Leafs in the first round. As much as I love when the Bruins play the Maple Leafs in the first round, um, I do think it'll be nice to have a change this year, most likely. There's always the um, second round. There's always the second round. Imagine if the Leafs beat the Lightning and they play the Bruins in the second round. I mean, come on. We really can't go a year without the Bruins and the Leafs. Um, Listen, but I, I, I'm just a fan of narrative. That's simply it. But that would be the most incredible thing ever. It would be. No, it totally would be. Um, From a pure and, narrative standpoint of just, like, chaos, that would be absolutely incredible. would be so chaotic because it's like, all right, the Maple Leafs finally got past the first round only to play the team that didn't let them pass the first round for the past two years um, in the second round. So I think it would be great. I love the storylines between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. I think it died down a little bit when Nazem Kadri went west. Um, but they're still there. There's still the hatred. Um, and I think they still put on some great games. Bruins lightning, I think, in the second round, which will probably be what's the second round matchup. Um, I think that'll be pretty interesting, too. Uh, maybe this is the year the Bruins finally get past the Lightning. I have maybe. an incredibly hot take that I'm probably going to rescind at some point. But what? I think Bruins-Lightning second round is for the Cup. I don't even think that's that hot of a take. I, 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 I for don't. For it is. I don't believe in saying things like that in the climate of the NHL playoff where literally the St. Louis Blues can win the Cup. 
But I just looking at the rest of the league, I mean, I think an Eastern Conference final with like Washington would be challenging, but I think that Washington team has a lot more flaws than are talked about a lot of the time or that are realized maybe here in this market. I think you see the like 17 losses in 19 games and are like, oh, they can't be the Capitals. But, and they obviously have some good players, but you look at that team and I think they're more beatable than the Bruins are. So I look at Bruins Lightning and I'm like, I think either one of those teams, I, I think they, that they at least get to the cup final. I totally agree. I, I think that I would not be surprised if that hot take came true. I mean, I don't even think it's that hot. I think it's, I think that could, could very much happen. Um, but again, as you said, the climate of the NHL playoffs, I mean, the Blue Jackets could go to the Stanley Cup final. You know, the Maple Leafs could find a way there. I mean, well, no, they couldn't. But but uh, the Flyers, I mean, anybody really could. Um, so uh, I, it's going to be very exciting. These next, this, I'm really excited uh, for this next month and a few days. Uh, and, and as you listeners, you should be too, truthfully. I mean, this is a fun time. Um, Marissa, thank you so much for joining. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before I let you go? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Marissa underscore and Jimmy. Follow, um, subscribe to the Herald, please. That helps me. Uh, power rankings out Wednesday morning. And that's about it for now. And if you need a reason to subscribe uh, to Marissa at the Herald or to subscribe to the Herald for Marissa, that's more like it. Um, round of applause for the big scoop on Nick Ritchie or excuse me, the Andre Kasha trade. Uh, you, yes, you got that. I, Richie, I do not have that one. You got that. You got, but you got the Andre Kasha deal before anybody else. You broke it. Uh, did you break? What was your first tweet? It was uh, Kasha to the Bruins, uh, right? Back in the back. No, it was back in the first rounder to Anaheim. That's right. And I think at the same, at like right around the same time, might have been Elliot Friedman said Kasha to Boston. Um, so we kind of just put that together and said, boom, there we go. So yeah, big round of applause to you. Marissa Scoops and Jemmy, that's your new middle name, at least on this show. And you haven't been on since, so we got to congratulate you now. So, Marissa, again, thank you so much for joining, as always. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your day. 